You're listening to Just One of the Guys, where we're down with cosplayers who'd like to dress up like Jade from this issue. Hello and welcome to episode 107 of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast hosted by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Hi there, my name is Sean Engel, and it's my job on this podcast to cover the Green Lantern comics, starting with cover date June 1990 and ending with cover date November 2004, putting a special emphasis on the character of Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner. And this episode, of course, episode 107, we're going to be dealing with, wait for it, Green Lantern number 107, yes. After the events of uh, Emerald Knights and the events of DC One Million, Kyle is back in, from all his wayward time traveling, and he's got something special. He's got a Green Lantern ring of his own. Well, not his own, but a second Green Lantern ring. And Kyle tries to pawn it off on some people, mainly the uh, former Green Lantern's birth. Will Guy Gardner take it? He should, because Guy Gardner is awesome, and Guy Gardner being a Green Lantern be. Well, it'd be great anyway. But uh, it may surprise you who takes the ring. We'll take a look at that issue uh, after this. But uh, I got the opportunity this week to uh, talk with uh, one of my favorite podcasters out there. He was kind enough to sort of on the spur of the moment show up to help me with this with this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, I am glad to have back on the show one of my good friends, Mr. Thomas DJ, to talk about this one. Hey, uh, Thomas, a second. Thank you for Woman! You missed the spot with the green body paint. <laughs> oh, Jeez. we're not bearing the lead on who it could be, the mysterious new Green Lantern. But <laughs> yes, we will be getting to who is the person who uh, takes the ring uh, right after we uh, get these uh, podcast promos out of the way. So right. as, as soon as we get that done, we'll be coming back for our coverage this time out of just Green Lantern number 107. time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. I'm going to regret this. This is ridiculous. Don't be alarmed. It's only a laser sword fight. Star Tours announces the boarding of the Endor Express, non-stop star speeder service to the moon of Endor. All passengers, please prepare for immediate boarding. No! Cannot get your ship off. <laughs> Lando Calrissian is a positive role model in the realm of science fiction fans. Lando Calrissian. Star Wars Monthly Mondays, available the first Monday of every month at 2TrueFreaks.com. We would be honored if 
you would join us. December 7th. Earth 2. 1941. A world very much like our own, yet slightly different. A date which will live in infamy. A world at war. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Following the Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt brought together the largest group of mystery men ever assembled to battle the Axis powers. Tales of the Justice Society of America presents The All-Star Squadron. The Tales of the Justice Society of America, every Friday at TwoTrueFreaks.com. Throughout its history, people have found this place disquieting. Strange and unexplained phenomena run rampant, so much so that it's been called the city that lives by night. And the city that lives by night needs a darker form of protector. Black Talon. Please don't kill me! You tell them all. Nocturne is the Talon's hunting ground. Your kind had best look elsewhere for prey. Nightbreaker. What was this? Some sort of joke? No. Gloria, this sounds crazy, I know, but she did shoot me. Something happened. I'm still not sure what, but people don't recognize unless I truly concentrate on their wanting to see me. It's like I'm invisible. Fairy Man. The ghosts you refer to have done more for me than you two have. They've given me my sight back. <laughs> They've given me better than my sight back. Dreamcatcher. Witches, warlocks, mages, magicians, shamans. Call us what you like. It's all the same. We've helped when we can. Eluded those too ignorant to understand that magic isn't evil. And it's made us sensitive to others who have magic running in their veins. A quartet of heroes standing together must face a new menace. This can be painless, you know. You ain't putting the fronters on me, Slag. Just take your shot, yeah? I was hoping you'd say that. Who is going to use the roughest elements of the city? You that rose red bitch? That's right. I'm not even mad at you for adding the bitch part. Because I am. And I know you guys are some of the nastiest, toughest, roughest, meanest bastards in this town. Am I right? Yeah! yeah! Good. Because I have need of you. To send this city. Come on! tonight. Down New Roads to Hell. New Roads to Hell, the first Shadow Legion adventure by Thomas DJ. A new novel coming soon from Airship 27. For more information, including character sketches and behind-the-scenes information, visit the Nocturne Travel Agency at welcometonocturne.blogspot.com.
airship27.com and airship27.com. And we are back to not Morrissey sadness, thankfully. <laughs> no, we are... I got a ring, but I can't use it. <laughs> and I'm so sad. I'm so sad. No one will get this. No one at all will get this. No one understands Morrissey. Especially, especially the cows. They don't understand <clears throat> What we're covering today, however, is not Morrissey. It is Green Lantern number 107. This one was cover dated uh, December 1998 and released on October 14th, 1998. Thank you very much. Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics. Go check it out. Cover price was $1.99 US and $2.95 Canada, and the title was The Choice. Writer again was Ron Mars. Pencilers out, time, out this time were Jeff Johnson and Chris Batista. Writers were Bob White, or anchors were Bob Wyacek and John Lowe. Colorist was Rob Schwager. Letterer was Chris Eliopoulos. Assistant editor was Chuck Kim, and the editor was Kevin Dooley. Green Lantern is relating the events of his past few weeks, traveling through time, meeting up with Hal Jordan, traveling through time again, and epically containing the evil computer Solaris while it went supernova, in a caption box voice message to his mother. While all the dialogue is going on, Kyle is getting punched in the breadbasket by the other Green Goliath who just wants to be left alone, Guy Gardner villain Sledge. Kyle continues to talk about his budding new relationship with Jade as he fends off blow after powerful blow from the walking behemoth. Finally, Kyle gets swatted into some rubble, and by the time he frees himself, Sledge is nowhere to be seen. Telling some nearby dock workers that he'll go after the mountainous menace later, Kyle heads off to an important meeting as he concludes his caption box voicemail to his mother. Cut to the Warrior's Bar, where Alan Scott, John Stewart, and Guy Gardner await Kyle's arrival, while bemoaning the state of the bar after Parallax's last visit. Kyle arrives, and ringing off part of his uniform, Kyle shows them why he's called them all here. The Green Lantern ring that Hal had left him in issue 106. Saying that Hal tasked him with restarting the core, Kyle asks the trio if any one of them would like to take on the mantle of Earth's Green Lantern while he's off trying to found a new core. Alan is the first Kyle approaches, but he turns it down as he was never an actual member of the core. John is next in line, but with the tragedies of his lost wife and that albatross of the destruction of Zanshi still hanging around his neck, John opts out as well. This, of course, leads to the best and most obvious choice for Green Lantern, Guy Gardner. But even the greatest Lantern that Earth has ever seen turns down the opportunity, saying that he's happy with who he is. Surprised by the responses of the former Lanterns, Kyle wonders who he could give the ring to that would uphold the tradition and Alan says that he's certain Kyle will make the right choice. Wink, wink. <laughs> Not bearing lead anywhere. The scene changes to Kyle's apartment, where apartment mate Jenny Lynn Hayden greets her sweet baboo with a kiss. Jenny asks Kyle if he had any luck finding a new ring wielder, and Kyle tells her that, he's came up, that he came up empty with the former lanterns. Gently embracing Kyle to console him, Jenny wonders where he could ever find a person with hero experience. You know, someone who might have a handle on energy constructs, and who might have an intimate knowledge of working with Kyle. Slapping his forehead, Kyle rushes to the phone and calls Jenny's brother Todd to see if he'd like to be the next Green Lantern. <laughs> nah, I'm yanking your chain. He offers the ring to Jenny. After a bit of ribbing due to Kyle's obliviousness, 
Jenny puts on the ring and tries out a few versions of the uniform designs until settling on the classic GL style. Jenny also tries her hand at creating a construct, and she starts off with a pretty spot-on version of her brother. Impressed with her skill, Jenny grabs Kyle, and the duo head out for some more heroic testing of her powers. Kyle offers to give her a bit of training, and they head to Central, Central Park so they can have a little open space. Unfortunately, the Incredible Hulk is on a rampage, and the Avengers are not... Oh, wait, that's not them. It's just Sledge. I keep getting confused. Kyle tries to tackle the Titan, but ends up getting a ton of timber tossed his way. Sledge then grabs Geo by the neck and prepares to punch the f*** out of him, when the two are distracted by the womanly wiles of a seductively posed Jade. The distraction is enough to allow a giant 16-ton anvil construct to come crashing down on Sledge, knocking him out. Crisis averted, Jenny reveals herself to the onlooking New Yorkers as Green Lantern. Sometime later, Kyle has Jenny try at making a duplicate of her ring. She succeeds, and Kyle says that he's going to take this, as well as a piece of his lantern that will form into a duplicate battery, and head off into space to find some new recruits. Knowing that Earth is in good hands, Kyle gives Jenny a farewell kiss as he heads off to appear in an upcoming prestige format book. <laughs> the End And that was Green Lantern one, number 107. Um, do you have any notes on this for me, Mr. DJ? First off, the cover. Oh, yes. Uh, cosplay uh, Tony Robbins. <laughs> <gasps> Want it? It's yours! I, I get kind of a... Uh, I guess they're kind of going for that Uncle Sam, you know, yeah. sort of type thing. I, I'm wondering... It's not a bad cover. It's by... Uh, uh, obviously, because it's signed by Banks and Austin down at the mm -hmm. bottom, because... Daryl Banks can't seem to not sign any of his you know, pieces of art. I'm looking at you, issue 50. But, you know, it's a, it's a decent enough cover. But, yeah, I'm kind of unnerved by the orange background. It just <laughs> Is he delivering this to someone, you know, right in front of, you know, the sun? <laughs> I, I've, I've flown into space and I've decided to give the Green Lantern ring to you immaterial person that's just hanging out right in front of mercury sure <laughs> it's solaris has followed him home <laughs> there you go solaris is just you know he's he thinks it's a night fragment so there you go <clears throat> um yeah i i like the cover and you know it's better inking and it's a bit more uh it's a bit better looking than uh, some of the stuff we've seen from Austin before. I've been kind of down on Austin in the past couple of issues because his inking has been really thick, but it looks a lot better here. So uh, looking into more of the art, you know, Austin isn't really doing, or I'm sorry, uh, Banks and Austin aren't really doing that much in this issue, but they'll be back here in a few. So I'm liking this. It's nice to see Sledge. I agree. Um, 
Although I can understand your, your reference to the Incredible Hulk, because he does seem to be playing the Incredible Hulk role. You know, Hulk wanted to be alone. Yes, I just want some peace and quiet we have on page three. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's. I think that Sledge is a much more... Well, you know, for the Green Hulk, I think Sledge is a much more nuanced character than the the green hulk you know prior to the the merged version that we got with peter david you know but that they're playing him just at this kind of level where he's kind of a mindless force of nature i think kind of belittles the character because i think he's much smarter and much cleverer than that and i think bo smith intended him to be that way but uh, you know he's just here to be you know the sort of the framing sequence the beginning and the end of the book where kyle as a fight because you can't have a book, a Green Lantern book without some sort of fight sequence in it. Um, page two, mm-hmm. it's Kyle and his monkey. <laughs> You've always got to have a monkey. <laughs> a, a monkey sidekick is awesome. <laughs> it's not just a monkey. It's a pirate monkey. <laughs> He's going to try out for why the last man later. <laughs> okay. That'll be cool. Um, the artwork uh, at the beginning, I'm guessing the sledge fight, both at the beginning and end, mm-hmm. is by Batista and uh, Batista and Lowe. And mm-hmm. the artwork's a bit different. It's more in the lines with uh, Banks than it is with Johnson that we'll see later in the book. Right. Although know, I, I didn't notice much of a, I mean, it, it still was pretty pretty smooth. Yeah, it's not, it's not as bad as I've seen it before. When uh, I think a while back they had one that was Johnson and another artist that was kind mm. of, there was kind of a shock when you went from uh, one sequence to the X, but yeah, it is, it's not as, not, it's not as jarring as you see in uh, some books. I really didn't have any uh, notes until hey. we got to, yeah, go ahead. Hey, look on page five. I never noticed that John Stewart had a picture of Florida on his forehead. <laughs> Yeah, that is a horrible birthmark there. Yeah. That's some wacky inky. I was going to say on the same page, I do find it kind of cool that uh, obviously Kyle's uniform doesn't have any pockets. And I like the fact that he dissolves with the energy. He dissolves a bit of his uniform so he can get into his clothes underneath that do have Mm -hmm. pockets. And I like the kind of idea of the Green Lanterns ringing up their uniforms and it just being over their body, you know, over their regular clothes. And I think this was kind of a neat, you know, a neat effect here. Um, Guy looks a bit, first of all, guy in overalls and a t-shirt, that just... That's not him. That doesn't look right for me. I mean, he looks okay, you know, physically. There are a few panels later on where he looks a bit wonky, but, you know, that's fine. The next page, Alan Scott... I know they they reverted him to this youthful one, into his youthful form, but yeah, he just looks a little wonky here for me. I mean, the the kind of one of the few problems I have with the sequence is it seems like it's very difficult to tell the difference between Guy and Alan if it wasn't for the clothes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the clothes and the hair are really the only thing. You know, I'm not saying that Johnson, because Johnson's done some really great art. Uh, I mm-hmm. think back to. Uh, issue 101 where Hal had his first sort of um, 
you know, his first sort of heroic moments after coming into coming into the present time. And Johnson did the artwork there, and that was just really stunning. Every other episode where Johnson or every other issue where Johnson's come on to do art, it's been it's been average. And this is a, a sadly a kind of an average issue. There's nothing really outstanding in it. I've moved on to what is it? I guess it's page seven. It looks like Guy wants to, after he gets the ring, he's going to go out and start the combine. <laughs> yeah. Because the wheat needs threshing. <laughs> See, I don't get the overalls. That just isn't a look that I think Guy would ever wear. But I think, you know, uh, this is one of the panels where he does a good job at drawing Guy. Yeah, I mean, his facial mm. expressions. The one thing that I've liked about uh, Johnson is he seems to do facial expressions really well. And here with. With Guy, he looks pretty good, so I can't complain about that. But then we move to the next page, page eight, and that third panel there. Oh, God. He yeah. just looks really wonky. I mean, it looks, his face looks very flat. It doesn't look, he looks far too young. So I don't know what's going on. There's, there's just a bit of wonkiness with the art, so I can't, I can't. The, at least here, with the with his male figures, Johnson seems to be having some problem. But once it gets to Jade, I'll have nice things to say about that. Oh boy, I got a confession to make when we get there. Okay, well, let's go ahead and move on because uh, okay, we'll get to page ten and Kyle comes back to his apartment. And this again is one of those things that you and I have talked about. <laughs> what is that about. number ten in the middle of their sink? <laughs> What's that? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> Okay, first off, that uh, pay that, that first panel, mm -hmm. it's like I can't stop. <laughs> that and is a seriously weird pose. We we've mentioned before on the show that it doesn't seem like Kyle is that secretive about his secret yeah. identity and flying right in to his apartment window. And I know Isn't his... that the apartment where the guy, where the artist lives with the green lady? <laughs> I wonder if he might be that superhero guy. You know what the funny thing is? Is that Jenny is public about her time as Jade at this point. Yes. You know, she's used it in her acting career that she was Jade. So you would think, you know, you would think that this totally blows the identity. Mm -hmm. But but obviously not. Obviously, people are completely fooled. You know, these weird green emanations coming out of this room. Kyle dating this woman who used to be, you know, a superhero. You know, honestly, there's nothing weird going on there. Yeah. But I do think, uh, you know, aside from a little wonkiness, that middle panel on page 10, mm -hmm. Kyle looks... A bit featureless. He looks kind of odd there, but Jenny looks pretty good. Okay. Yeah, no, no. Here's, here's, you know. Okay. Back, back when they were publishing Infinity Incorporated, I had a bit of a crush on this Jenny Lynn Hayden. Mm. Yeah. It was not just the boob window, was it? No, it, she didn't have a boob window for me. I thought she had that star thing that was a. Yeah, she had a star thing, okay, but it that... wasn't a cutout. Oh, okay. You know, but, uh, so, and it's funny because Mike always says that um, 
one of the reasons people resent Kyle is he's the new kid who moves in and the first and he starts banging the girl everybody wants to bang. And you would think that I would feel that way, but no, I didn't have a problem with this. Well, and again, the relationship, much like it went with Donna Troy, it doesn't just you know come out of the blue. It evolves over a, uh, an amount of time. It's not just Jenny moves in and suddenly Kyle and she are shacking up. There are things that you know built their relationship. There are things that uh, made their relationship stronger, and it developed over time. We'll see this more often, and uh, eventually I'm certain we'll be getting to Donna coming back and dealing with uh, Jade, and we'll be getting into dealings with that. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, uh, I I never, you know, aside from sort of offhand viewings at, like, my cousin's, Mm-hmm. I didn't really read all of Infinity Incorporated. And now that uh, I'm going to go ahead and plug it, now that Tales of the JSA is coming back, I'm looking forward to hearing their coverage of uh, the Infinity Incorporated uh, books as well. So that'll be fun. Um, I'm moving on to page 11. This is this is some some good artwork from uh, Johnson, in my personal opinion, <clears throat> with uh, Jenny sort of you know relating to Kyle that she'd like to be the Green Lantern and Kyle being pretty oblivious about it, especially in those two panels, uh, like four, three and four, yeah. where she's hanging on him, just staring up and talking about, well, who could possibly do this? It'd have to be a person who had experience being a hero and had knowledge of making, you know, energy constructs. I don't know who that could be. And that final, that fourth panel with Kyle, yeah. That's a great look on his face. Just it's good body language throughout this page. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's the one thing that Johnson gets down really well. He gets the – it's it feels very comfortable. It doesn't feel stiff or posed or anything. The body language looks really good. It looks like people who are actually having a conversation and have a, a relationship between each other. It's it, 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 it looks really good. Page 12 is the next one. That the role of Kyle Rayner on page 12 will be played by Robert De Niro. <laughs> yeah, Kyle just aged quite a bit <laughs> on that second panel. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he went from, you know, youthful little Kyle. Because on, uh, if you look at the page, you know, the page 11 moving to page 12, yeah, he something went wrong with his face. Either that or Stallone. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a good look. But that middle panel, we get some obvious... Uh, some obvious wedding innuendo there with uh, Kyle handing the ring to her and Jenny saying, I do, which is, which is nice. It's a nice framing sequence. And it's kind of Ron Mars and, you know, Johnson himself expanding on the idea of Kyle taking their relationship to another level. I mean, obviously they've moved on from friendship to more intimate relationship, but now, you know, him giving them, giving Jenny the ring He's accepting her as a Green Lantern as well, so he's accepting her as a hero. So that's, you know, I, I understand the uh, imagery that they're putting forth here, and it's it's rather clever. I'll give him that. But then, uh, page thirteen, the the, the one page splash of Jenny. Yeah, I could see why people would be would be enamored of her because that's, you know, aside from the mask, it mm-hmm. looks really good. She looks well. I will have to say there's some there's a bit of Jim Ballant going on yeah. because there's two giant orbs right in the middle of her chest. But yeah, apparently there's a push-up bra that comes with uh, 
Green Lantern uniforms. Yeah, well, the, well, when when you're of the female gender, you know, that's what the Green Lantern ring always, you know, <clears throat> does for you. It gives you a gives you a maiden form look. So, but then we get to to the next page and some of the some of the outfits that they come up with. It's just especially that third one. What the hell <laughs> is up with that? I know. It's it's that sort of ni- it's obviously them making fun of that '90s excess with mm-hmm. a, a jetpack with blades on it and these. Well, I don't know. She's got sort of boots and gauntlets that are similar to what Kyle has, but just a bit more over the top, a bit more imageified, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the it, it, Johnson does a good job with drawing the women, and they're you know aside from that. Aside from the breasts on that uh, one page, you know, Jenny looks really good in these costumes. Mm-hmm. So I can't complain about that. I really don't have any, I don't think I really have any notes until uh, the sledge fight. I mean, surprisingly enough, what happens? Uh, you know, they find the uh, villain that Kyle was fighting at the beginning right. of the book and have to take him down. So. <laughs> All he wants to do is play in the duck pond. Exactly. Well, I'm certain that's exactly what the Incredible Hulk would want to do, just sit in the duck pond and pet the ducks. (laughs) I will take you home and call you George. Unfortunately, the Hulk would probably turn them into a nice pate after a couple of pets. But yeah, it is kind of disappointing. Again, I mentioned at the beginning that they play off Sledge as essentially an Incredible Hulk-type character. Mm-hmm. My next note's page 19. Right. You know, Jenny... Uh, Once again, weird inking on her face. Yeah, her face does look a little off. It, it looks like she just like finished eating a bunch of Oreos. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but, you know, I don't... I don't find this pose as seductive as I do the pose on the next page, on page 20, where she's got her hand on her hip, she's got the ring up. Yeah. I mean, that looks a lot better. I mean, I think I think it, that may be it. It may be the face that's just mm-hmm. kind of off on that panel. But, yeah, Jenny takes out... I, I, I do like the on uh, page 19, the second panel, where they're both looking at Jenny and supposedly being allured by that. For mm-hmm. Maybe they just got to... Well, you know what? It's 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 the classic Green Lantern um, uniform. Just looks good on the female form. I I don't disagree with you, and I, it's especially noticeable. Like I said on page twenty, that panel mm-hmm. with Jenny posing with her hand on her hip and everything that looks great. I mean, that is it, it's the classic Green Lantern uniform. It looks good. She looks good. Her face looks beautiful. It's just. It's a great introduction to Jenny as Greenland as the Greenlander character, and obviously we're going to see over the next arc we're going to see how Jenny handles being the Greenlander. But then we move to the final framing sequence, and I guess uh, Batista comes back to do some artwork. And, and now... you'll notice she apparently between panels got went to the barber and had her hair done. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, uh, if you look on I guess page twenty one, that one two th- the fourth panel. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's her head on on like a 12-year-old body. I mean, she's regressed in age just ridiculously. And her head is slightly bigger mm-hmm. than I think the body is supposed to. It's just like a disconnect. 
yeah, there it does look. Yeah, her head definitely looks bigger. That's why I'm saying it looks like she's she's not of the age that she's supposed to be. I, I right. figure she's probably in her twenties or so. She looks like a a young teen, like of maybe mm-hmm. thirteen, fourteen. And that last panel, Kyle looks like he's in pain. <laughs> yeah, she she's actually standing on his foot or something. <laughs> but this leads to uh, you know. Kyle going off to, like I said, he's going to be in a, his own little prestige format book where he's going to be finding a bunch of new Green Lantern recruits. And Jenny gets to stay at the home front and take on the mantle of Green Lantern for a while. So Apparently pal around with Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, of course, who you do go to, you know, whenever you need help about Green Lanterning. <laughs> Whatever. But yeah, overall, aside from a bit of art wonkiness in a few of the panels, I I enjoyed this issue. It's a nice yeah. setup to to see what's going to be happening with. Uh, it's Jenny a breather Kyle. issue. It's one of those breather issues that Ron Mars likes to do between the major arcs. Mm-hmm. You know, setting up the status quo for the next couple of issues that we see while Kyle is off in that prestige miniseries, which I remember correctly was called Green Lantern: The New Core. Yes. So. Um, yeah. yeah, so we're going to get a couple of months of Jenny Lynn running around rocking, rocking the classic uniform and kicking ass mm-hmm. and with different yeah. guest stars. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I, I, I agree with you. I think this is one of those issues where we can take a bit of a break because we had prior to this, we had the, the whole dealing with Hal. Uh, with the parallax, with Kyle sort of reasserting himself as Green Lantern. Then we jumped right into the middle of DC 1 million, where Kyle's having to go into that 853rd century and do one of the most epic feats I think a Green Lantern has done Mm -hmm. in keeping a sun from going supernova, containing that. And I, I, in that episode, it hadn't come, well, it hadn't come out yet, but it will be, by the time this was released, it'll have come out. You know, that is one of the moments that I think, I think Grant Morrison, and again, mm. not Morrissey, because he's just sad. I'm so sad, I'm so sad, I could do many things with my ring, but I'm so sad. <laughs> Oh, there's a backstory to that that I just can't go into. But uh, but the fact that Kyle has had these really major things go on in his book, and now he's finally come to sort of just decompress, and we have a nice little quiet issue. I think it's nice. It's it's like you said, it's setting up the framing sequence for the next couple issues. It's giving people time to to just relax with the book and everything, and it's it's great. It's it's not a phenomenal issue. It's not going to go down as one of the best, but it's just, it's nice to be there. It's a nice sort of, it's like an after dinner mint of issues. Besides hot green girl in a green lantern costume. Yeah. You can't go wrong with that. Although I should point out, I guess you were talking about DC 1 million. We're in that period now where every couple of months, the books are hamstrung by another event miniseries. And I think that over the next like two or three years, it's really going to show. Yeah, I, I think you know I'm not certain coming up what we have next, but I know Day of Judgment is a while down the road. Mm-hmm. And I talked with. Did I, we get to 
uh, we must have. We must have gone to a clip. And we did, did a clip. So, um, Genesis, I know, was the other one, which <sighs> I completely didn't give a care about that. But I know Day of Judgment is coming up, and I, I talked with either I talked with someone about this and how we felt about the idea of these sort of one month, you know, just mini series that they had versus the sort of what they did after the the overarching multi month series like uh, final, uh, you know, Final Crisis and Infinite Crisis and Blackest Night and all that, and which ones that we preferred, and you know. I think we came to the conclusion that they both had their merits mm-hmm. with the one month one. It, it, if you're only reading certain books, it, you're not required to get everything and it's not over a series of months. And even if you, it does tie into the major story, all the books that come out that month do tie into that story. That's only one month's worth of books. Mm-hmm. But then he also said that, the idea of spreading it out over time gives you more, gives it a greater weight in the book. So there, there are. Well, I think that plans. that the decision to make them, to make these big events like weekly comics, was more of a reflection of how the writers used to hate having to do them, having to stop their own storylines and for three or four months have to feed into the uh, storyline of the big event. And because, um, like, for example, to, to use an example from the other major comic book company, um, Peter David left X Factor because he got tired of dealing with all the crossovers. And I'm sure it frustrates it frustrates a lot of other writers as well. So, yeah, I can completely understand that. If you're just having to take one month out and manipulate your title to fit in with the big overarching thing it's less of a burden for you than if you have to deal with this thing that's spread out over six months or more so i can understand people's feelings on that but um overall like i said a good issue you know it gives you jenny lynn hayden in a green lightning form so that's not that's not a bad thing that's not a bad thing at all thomas Again, uh, especially on such short notice, you know, coming oh, on the show. I'm I will never turn you. down the chance to, to spend time with you. You know that. Well, I, I, I really appreciate you coming on. And, uh, you know, I know you've got some things in the fire. I think you've got some uh, works you've got coming up in different books uh, and stuff that you're doing out on the Internet. Why don't you go ahead and fill people in on what's going on? Um, supposedly any week now, Monster Earth 2 is coming out, which features uh, my story, Cap, uh, Giants of Industry. Um, let's see what else is coming out. Uh, How the West Was Weird, Volume Three is coming out, which features uh, my new El Cuevo story, Sit by the Fire. There will be story about you know stories the, about Dreamcatcher, you know the uh, the mystical woman from the Shadow Legion showing up in a couple of places. And hopefully by the end of the year, the second Shadow Legion book will show up, which is called the Shadow Legion Casebook, The Shape of Fears to Come. Hmm. Unlike the first book, which is a, was a, was a full-length novel, this is a set of four um, short, you know, long short stories, one featuring each of the four members of the Shadow Legion. It's going to bridge the gap between 
New Roads to Hell, and the next book, which is called Machina Ex Deus. Hmm. So, um, you know, lots of lots is coming. Lots is coming. And of course, you're still doing better in the dark. Yes, it's it's getting it's a little slow these days because you know what with some medical issues which you know about. Yes, um, it, it is kind of hard for me to sit in front of a computer for any length of time, and I'd rather spend that time writing things that people give me money for. But a, a new episode should be coming out soon featuring uh, our induction into the Great Great Men Hall of Fame of Danny Trejo. Oh, cool. And after that, I will finally get to an episode I know a couple of people are waiting for, the Smokey and the Bandit overview. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about Smokey Where, among Bandit. other things, we, re we cast a remake of of smoking the bandit better in the dark style that i can't wait to listen which to. means both me and derek have roles <laughs> <laughs> but you're gonna have to you're gonna have to wait and so, one of these episodes features for you doctor who fans derek puts me on the spot and asks me if i became the doctor who my companion would be Ooh. And the answer will surprise people because I know what most people would think. I who most people think I would choose. You know, like they they especially when you know my predilection for uh, Irish or Scottish <laughs> women. Um, but no, you'll you'll find out. So. Well, I I'm looking forward to that. You know, as as always, Better in the Dark is always an amazing show. Let's do. I I I especially like you know when you do your obscure movies. Because mm. I still need to check and see if what the baby is still on. Oh Netflix. God, yes, from the I've heard that is bat guano insane. Yeah, that's from the obscure horror movies episode we did with Des Reddick. Uh, we are next time Derek and I get together. We are going to record um, among a, um, in addition to a director's court on Edgar Wright and um, an episode discussing the British horror boom of the 60s. Um, we will be doing our obscure, our obscure regular movies episode for 2014. Cool. So um, there's, a lot, there's a lot coming, guys. Well, cool. And we're all looking forward to it, Thomas. Again, thanks for coming on the show. I really My pleasure. It. My and pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for downloading and listening, and we will catch you next time on another episode of Just One of the Guys, a member of the Two True Freaks family of podcasts. Bye, everyone. I'm so sad. I'm so sad. <laughs> oh, Morrissey. <laughs> if I could buy you a package of Kleenex, I would. <laughs> You've been listening to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast, hosted by yours truly, Sean Ingle. All images, stories, and music are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely out of my desire to show the tendencies of the internet that comic books can be fun, humorous, compelling, thought-provoking, and exciting, while not having to fall into the weary tropes of the 1990s. I'm not in any way doing this for monetary gain, which irritates my wife to no end. All feedback for the show can be sent to the show's Gmail account at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. All feedback, positive and negative, is warmly welcomed. All spam bots are warmly welcomed, too. 
as long as your definition of a warm welcome is for them to die horribly in a fire. The website address for the show can be found at the brand new Two True Freaks website, located at twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the RSS feed, as well as scans of the covers and whatever else I feel like putting up. Look for me on iTunes. Just search for Just One of the Guys podcast, or search for Two True Freaks, the new rule 2, and you can subscribe to either the show or Two True Freaks there. You can also search me on Facebook, and now you can actually find me there, as it was a requirement of my new DeMontecourt contract. But it still doesn't mean that I'll be joining your little Mafia Awards group anytime soon. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next Friday for another episode of Just One of the Gods, a Greenlander podcast. I, I've got to. I've got to get myself in the right mindset for the show now because I'm gonna... <laughs> still thinking about Morrissey writing Green Lantern. Mm. He wouldn't get into any fights. <laughs> All his constructs would be just like Kleenex boxes. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> he would just like. I'm nonviolent now. <laughs> You know, he would, you know, just, Sinestro just, would be showing up killing babies in the street. Just stop. Just stop. <laughs> Those are beautiful babies. <laughs> they need love. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, I needed this. Uh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 107 of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast hosted by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Hi, everyone. My name is Sean Ingle, and my job on this show is to bring you coverage of the Green Lantern comics, starting with cover date at, uh, was it? Uh, it's June 1990. Let me start that again. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 107 of Just One of the Guys. I'm going to try this again, again. I'm so sad, I'm so sad, <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs>